Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. We drift back many decades today to the 1930s and France, where an outstanding horse was already being hailed as horse of the century until the most bizarre of incidents occurred, after which he was never quite the same. Sometimes it can be the most random thing that ultimately makes the difference between being regarded as an all-time great or being largely overlooked. Bantum was unquestionably one of the best. Yet if it hadn't been for a moment of madness on a busy street in Chantilly one morning, his reputation would undoubtedly be even further up there with the very best than it already is. He certainly had a breeding head start, being by multiple British champion sire Blandford, out of Prix Jacques Le Marois winner Vitamine. Owned and bred by Edouard de Rothschild at his sublime Arras de Motry stud outside Deauville, he was decidedly on the small side, with some sources claiming him to be 15.1 hands. Photographs suggest this to be a slight exaggeration. They also show, however, a noticeably straight set of hind legs. Trained by Lucien Robert at Chantilly and ridden by Charles Bouillon, his two-year-old season was spectacular. After a comfortable five-furlong lung opener in the Prix Martin Vast in June 1933, he went straight to the six-furlong Prix Robert Papin, cruising to a two-length victory, and then annexing the Prix Morny at Deauville in August. Hot favourite for the mile-long Grand Criterium at Longchamp, he crushed the best of his peers yet again, thus completing the rare French juvenile triple crown. The obvious ease of his victories ensure that he led the end-of-year free handicap ratings by a street, being allocated one pound shy of ten stone, 63 kilos. For a juvenile, this was pretty much unprecedented, yet, as things would pan out, completely justified. And this itself was telling, as in the UK, a horse called Columbo was taking all before him, with the Brits wasting no time in calling him horse of the century. But in 1934, there was no doubt who the champion really was. A warm-up demolition by six lengths in the Prix de Sèvres tuned Brantome up for a tilt 11 days later in the Poule de Cé des Poulains, French 2000 guineas, where he again displayed a killer turn of foot to destroy the best of the rest, Admiral Drake, by an easy three lengths. A fortnight later, it was time to take in the top French derby trial, the ten and a half furlong Prix Lupin where, once Bouillon gave him his head, he strolled home by an easy two and a half lengths. By now, his reputation was sky-high on both sides of the channel. His diminutive size had initially caused the English press to dismiss him as a polo pony. And indeed, he didn't walk like a world-class athlete. He was certainly of delicate build, but he used this to his advantage from the very start, for his running style was sublime. His effortless, liquid stride and perfect balance transcended his size, making it seem as though he simply wasn't trying, despite polishing off one group one after another. But then terrible luck struck, as Robert's entire string was overwhelmed by a severe bout of coughing. It compromised the champion's entire summer, as both the Prix du Jockey Club, French Derby, 
and Grand Prix de Paris went begging, with Brantome sick in his stable. The former race went to Duplex, the latter to Admiral Drake. Brantome had pulverised both of them in the past. This pause was extra frustrating for Connections, as the US racing community was working hard to bring the top European horses over to challenge their best, with Epsom Derby winner Windsor Lad and Admiral Drake on the list in Brantome's absence. Ultimately, it came to nothing, but Brantome had the beating of the latter, and at age three was almost certainly ahead of the former too. His connections took no chances with him, however, waiting until September's Prix Royal Oak, French St. Ledger, where, despite having to run wide around a wall of horses, he still unleashed his legendary acceleration and snuck in by a neck from Astronomer in what was described by journalists as a finish for the ages. The Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe loomed, and the lineup for 1934 was one of the strongest ever assembled. Duplex, Admiral Drake and Astronomer were all there, as well as Easy Ascot Gold Cup winner Felicitation, and Asuerus, victor of the Prix du Président de la République, which became the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud. Even so, there was a respect for Rothschild's cult that ensured he would start at near-even money favourite. Heavy ground threatened to blunt Brantome's speed, but despite sweating heavily in the preliminaries, he completed his season in sensational style. When the time was right, Bouillon pressed the invisible button, and Brantome rushed past the rest of the field, idled a bit, and then accelerated again, winning from Asuerus by nearly three lengths, with the newspaper Le Petit Parisien stating unequivocally in their write-up that his acceleration would never be forgotten by those who saw it. In an extra-strong year, Brantome was unbeaten and devastating. Now it was the turn of the Parisian Turfists to proclaim their own cheval du siècle. The crowd adored him, with horse and owner, according to the papers, receiving the greatest popular demonstration ever heard on a French racecourse. Fans also flocked to the cinema soon after to watch the short film Brantome, Invincible Horse, in the days when the movie theatres were able to celebrate a different kind of superhero. His four-year-old season was completely focused on winning the two-and-a-half-mile Ascot Gold Cup, still the pinnacle at the time for older European horses, and the race where, hopefully, he would finally meet British champion Windsor Lad. Easy victory in the Prix Edgar Guillas at Le Tremblay was followed by a mesmerising course record in the French Gold Cup, Le Prix du Cadran, won by a staggering 15 lengths. What could go wrong? As it transpired, two things. Windsor Lad was withdrawn from the Gold Cup, in what looked awfully like his owner Martin Benson running scared. Second, however, Bartom had become increasingly highly strung, and on his way to Chantilly Racecourse for his final warm-up race, the Prix du Dangu, he escaped his groom and charged down the main road at full tilt. How he didn't get run over will never be known, but for an hour he galloped and smashed his way up and down the avenue. He lost three shoes, got himself a huge gash on his leg, and was eventually caught, shattered and terrified. Given a tetanus shot, he then had to miss the next four days' training, and likely displayed a reaction to his jab when running strangely after being taken back out to the training grounds. 99 out of 100 owners, certainly in more recent times, would have withdrawn their horse from the imminent Gold Cup. But the incredibly sporting Rothschild chose to go ahead, 
He said, I knew that such a wide interest was taken in him, and in the Gold Cup, that I wanted to keep faith with the English public. And the inevitable happened. The clearly ailing Brantome lost his first race, trailing in fifth behind the rather ordinary Tiberius. The French public literally couldn't believe it, with many calling their friends in England to double-check the result. Despite winning the Prix du Prince d'Orange in September, he still bore the scars of his escapade. And the following month, he came forth when trying to retain his arc crown. Indeed, the calamity-prone Colt may have injured himself yet again in the course of the race, and, in the days before larger railings lined the track, hit a stake in the ground that marked the course. Whether hurt or not, he was gracefully retired, with many realising that, but for his moment of madness, he would likely never have been beaten and remained the yardstick for so many future generations. In 1940, it was no great surprise that the Nazi invaders deliberately sought him out, along with a few choice others like Farris, to be exported to Germany to sire future German champions. Fortunately, he was repatriated in 1946 to stand at his birthplace. And although not a great stallion in his own right, his son Vieux Manoir ensured that his line would ultimately produce arc winners all along, Exbury and Yvon Gica, as well as the ill-fated Epsom Derby winner Shergar. Bloodstock Breeders Review, not known for their hyperbole, said of him, As success followed success, the praises in his honour became louder and louder and he was generally pronounced a crack and the horse of the century. To find out more about Brantome and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind, out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and share the exploits of another great horse from another era who could punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.